Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You damn right. Hope everybody's having a good Monday, trying to get back to regular schedules, trying to get back to regular food schedules. Hope you had good leftovers. Hope you had good Thanksgiving meals. And if you're a Longhorn and Cowboys fan, I am happy to report that I was wrong. I thought one of them was going to slip. Neither of them did. They both got wins, and we'll be talking about those a lot today, including what Coach Sark had to say in his last game day, not game day, his last in-season press conference today. It's Chad and Zay here on this Monday. I'm Chad Hastings, joined as always by Isaiah Collier. Happy post-Thanksgiving, Zay. What's up? What up, Chad? Happy post-Thanksgiving to you. Yeah, the only call that I got right this weekend was the actual game score call, Texas versus Baylor. You did nail that Called one. Called that one, 38-27. <laughs> right on the button. Other than that, I was terrible at everything else. <laughs> I literally lost to the worst team in my league. Ooh. Guy that's 2-9, and nine, I'm 8-2, and two, lose to him, and now I'm on the bridge of not getting my bye week. In the playoffs, so what? we're starting to look a lot like Brett Favre. Maybe I should change my name. The Brett Favre crew's getting a little shaky? <laughs> it's not good. Okay. This is the time of the year where everything should be clicking. Yeah, we're literally doing the opposite. You're saying you've almost got the volleyball facility built, but now they're starting to ask questions about where the money came from? Yeah. That's where you are? Yeah, starting <laughs> to knock on doors, paparazzi, <laughs> yeah, the bit. whole nine. It's not looking good. Starting to ask for text messages yeah. and emails lose, and stuff. When you lose to the worst team in the league, a guy that's only had two wins this season, that's rough. and you're going into the playoffs, not much confidence got there. That is rough. Then you and I go two and three, oh, so all man. that crap I was talking in the beginning of the year started to catch up with us there. Yeah, it really is. Uh, the only good news I can report is that somehow, even going two and three, we are still in the lead in terms of individual teams. Of everybody that's involved in this thing, us, Coke, the Chris Waters Realty team, the uh, John McClellan Supreme Lending team, individually we're still Sitting on top with 39 wins. So when is this officially over? I think they go all the way through. I'm not sure if it goes to championship weekend or not, or if they just go. I want to say maybe we get a little bit into the playoffs. We should. I think we go a little bit into the playoffs. Maybe not all. I'm not sure if it goes all the way to the Super Bowl. Because we have to have five games to call. So I guess when you stop. When you're not able to have five games anymore. I think that's probably right. Now, there are bowl games that may be involved. I can't remember how they do it. You know, that normally Aaron's the one picking games every week, and I can't remember when it— No, he's shady on them. I know. I can't remember when it stops, and I can't remember, you know, how that works uh, with Aaron. I still can't believe Aaron slipped that Oklahoma-Texas Tech game in there. And, of course, we got it wrong. Of course we got it wrong. Yeah. Uh, So, we we went two and three. As a team, the Horn crew has 140 wins. Yeah, that's tied for last. With— 
with guess who? Our brothers and sisters down the hall from Coke FM. That's and right. They're all picking together, so come on. Yeah, you want to know why John McClellan Supreme Lending and Chris Chris Waters Realty love doing this every year? Two reasons: one, because they get to give some money to great causes, and two, because they get to make fun of us every year because we always start well and then fall apart. So we just we got to pick it up. We got to get it going. Uh, later in the week, we'll get our supreme picks. We picked the USC game right. We picked the Cowboys right, and we missed everything else. We thought Tennessee would win. We thought the Sooners would win, and we thought Ohio State would win. I was actually kind of glad to miss both of those because I'm not a big fan of either Ohio State or Oklahoma. It was kind of cool to watch those two lose. Yeah, I should have known with Tennessee losing their quarterback to a torn ACL, that would probably take them a step back and. Plus, Spencer Rattler, he's still pretty decent. Yeah, that's true. But we didn't pick that game. We picked Tennessee in the pros. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm about to say. Yeah, well. uh, maybe I'm thinking about my betting streak that I also lost on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely thinking, thinking about that. I was thinking of other losses, Chad, not that <laughs> not that loss. So we will uh, we will try to move on from all of that. We did have a two and three week. Shout out to, which one was it? I think it was Snoop and Jeff on Light the Tower that went four and one, trying to pick us up. As a horn crew. So you know I'm a hater, so I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna find a reason to hate on everybody. What they do that I don't like. Oh, here we go. Snoop picks the pro games. That's Jeff true. picks the college games. Like, We're, come on, that, I'm I'm gonna need some static between them. They need to pick all five together as a team. Yeah, it's like they they enjoy blaming each other if they get it wrong. <laughs> Oh, no, that was Snoop. Snoop picked those games. No, that was Jeff. Jeff Jeff picked those. Uh, we hope you were able to pick games correctly. Give us your thoughts coming out of the weekend. Specs text line 337-3776. Somebody texted in. I promise this wasn't anybody in my family. A&M looked killer. We'll get to that at 1245 in the crap bag. <laughs> I headed over to College Station to be near that and uh, got a couple surprises. So we'll talk about that at uh, 1245. But let's go ahead and hit the Specs set piece, and we will talk about the Longhorns and the Cowboys getting those big Thanksgiving wins. The Specs set piece is brought to you by Specs Wine, Spirits, and Finer Foods. When it comes to savings, Specs leads the league with a larger selection at lower prices. Specs, official partner of Austin FC. And Zay, I would also argue that for maybe the third straight week in a row, we have had Big similarities between these two teams. We went from full-on Monday therapy when they both blew blew leads and lost games. Then we had full-on, oh my God, how can what do you compute from a blowout win? Because they both just trashed their opponents. And then this week, I would argue both teams found a way to win a game that they used to lose. Is that fair? Yeah. For sure. Because I thought neither neither were perfect, both had sloppiness, and there's things you could look at in the stat sheet where you'd go, oh my God, well that's trouble. But they ended up figuring it out. As a Cowboys fan, I was proud of my group. Give me a feeling as a Longhorn fan. By the end of that game, were you proud of them? Was it just kind of a, whew, they got away with it? I mean, where, what were your feelings after Baylor? Well, you know it was going to be a dogfight. It's a Dave Aranda team, and we know what Baylor, how they look at this game. It's a big-time rival game for them. It's the last game of the season, so a lot of those guys, it's the last game of their careers. But it started off very much like a Baylor game would in Dave Aranda's favor. I mean, that first half couldn't have gone worse. And, yeah, I kind of have that wipe-the-sweat-off mentality. You know, the horns got 
out of one. But also it was a game where, you know, you look at the whole season and kind of like what Steve Sarkeesian said in this presser that we just had on during like the tower, you know, could have, would have, should have type season. Like all the games that you lost this year, the four games, and they were all very close, all all of them. I yeah. don't think one was over seven points. I believe that's, you're right. That's that's absolutely that's brutal. And yes, I I, I gave this team on Saturday after uh, after the game on the post game show. Ty Henderson. I gave this team a B minus total for the whole season. Hmm. B minus everybody. Now we can break that down on you know positions, which we will, I'm sure, as these shows go on. But yeah, I, a B minus. And a lot of people, you know, call on the Vaqueros Cafe Cantina Highline. Somebody straight up said. F. Most of the everybody was like, yeah, this is cool. Yeah, the F eight thing. and four was an F again. I'm, but I kind of feel that to a certain extent because the expectations here shouldn't be eight and four. And if you're yeah. not going to a Big Twelve championship, and if you're not playing for a college football playoff game, then at the University of Texas, that's a failing season. So I get that, but I also we got to understand and be objective here of what we saw last year on five and seven, and now this team's eight and four. It's just the talent that you had on this year's team. I don't think you're gonna get that back. This team next year might be better. Because they're more experienced, offensive line coming back, certain defensive players coming back, Quinn Ewers in the second year. But those two guys that dominated the game on Saturday, Roshan Johnson, the 77 yards, two touchdowns he had, and just the hurdle that he had, that's going to be on highlight tapes for NFL scouts everywhere. That's absolutely ridiculous for that last score to put uh, 37 on the board. And then B. John Robinson, what he's given Longhorn fans these last three years. And I could say that he wasn't even utilized like he should have been this year, hence the B-minus that I just gave out so you know I Dave around they controlled that game in the first half control the possession oh you're going to talk about that 21 to 8 and then the second half was a complete flip you know the horns they controlled the time of possession and they won the second half 21 to 8 so that's how you have to come with it and hopefully they can bring that momentum into this bowl game and into next season yeah there were a lot of things about that game by the end of it where you're really impressed with what Texas could do I can't believe Baylor didn't get to 34 minutes of time of possession. That was amazing to watch. Like, I don't think I've ever seen one turn that hard the other way. And it was just Texas doing what they, you know, what they needed to do. If I'm a Texas fan listening to Coach Sarkeesian today, he was asked about the losses. Do any of them haunt him? Do any of them keep him up at night? Now, I don't, he wasn't specifically asked about Bama. Uh, he was asked about the other three. And he talked about the prep in the TCU game and said they just played bad football. He wishes they could have played better football. He feels bad that he didn't get them prepped the way he wanted to. But the other Tuesday, he knows what it was. Tech and Oklahoma State, it was he wishes he could have run the ball in the second half better. He wishes he had, not could have. He wishes he had run the ball better in the second half. Now what we need to watch, though is will he learn that lesson with his run game moving forward when he doesn't have Bijan Robinson and he doesn't have Roshan Johnson? So, and again, to compare it to the Cowboys again, what I thought we saw with Kellen Moore against Green Bay was he trusted Ezekiel Elliott, but he didn't trust his run game. Or excuse me, yeah, it was him because Pollard played. He didn't trust Malik Davis to be part of his run game. He just trusted the guy. If Sark's just going to trust five and two, well, then he's got things to figure out. 
But if he trusts his run game moving forward, hopefully that is a lesson that he can learn. I thought that was an interesting answer because uh, I know Longhorn fans are having a little bit of these ones that got away. Because like you said, Zay, it's close. You didn't get beat by 28. You didn't get beat by 40. You got beat by one Bama, and then it was three sevens, right? 17-10 TCU. 34-27, is that what it was for Oklahoma State? And they were all sevens, weren't they? I think that's right. And that's the kind of thing that 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 is what eats you up. It's those things. It's because in a way you could not that you want to get blown out, but in a blowout, there's a whole lot of reasons why you got blow blown out. And it's like, oh no, you had to change ten or twelve things when you lose those close ones. It was forty-one thirty-four uh, with Oklahoma State, and uh, okay, I was mixed up because the. No, that's my bad. My bad. Tech was was the overtime because they just kicked the field goal. So it was one three seven and seven. Those were the margins. Oh my gosh! I mean, it's that it's that close. <laughs> that's what will get you. That's what will haunt you. So I, I get it. I wouldn't go as far as say it was an F. No, um, that's that's ridiculous. But it is as simple as this: If Texas handles their business in either Lubbock or Stillwater, they're about to go play TCU for the conference title. Yeah, and that's that is kind of, all they had to do. Yeah, absolutely, and that's what scares you about next year because if you ain't trusting your run game with five and two in your running back room, uh, then there, that, that, that doesn't right. make much sense to me. That sounds a little bit insane, and there were plenty of times all those losses, majority of those losses, he wasn't trusting the run game. And I get it. This offensive line was very young this year, but they played – way over expectations, way better than I thought they were going to play. I didn't think Kelvin Banks, I didn't think he would be like this. I knew he would pick it up and be that true five-star big-time player that he wants, uh, is supposed to be, but I didn't think it would come this quick. Plus Cole Hudson, Hayden Connor, all those guys. And they did have their lapses this year. Plus, I thought Big 12 refs were a little sketchy. Let's just now that now that the season's over, okay, by, let's keep it real. By the, the way, Big 12 refs were a little <laughs> sketchy this year with the horns. Did I see it correctly that they snuck a penalty in at the very end yeah. against Baylor? I didn't even see it get called, but I think it's on oh, the stat sheet. I, the, I think on the stat sheet they actually called, they actually called a penalty against Baylor. Or, yeah. That was Kurt Bowles asked a brilliant question today about the penalties and are you going to research how? Yeah, there's one penalty for two yards listed for Baylor. I don't know where it came from, but combined, Oklahoma State and Baylor had one penalty against Texas in eight quarters of football. Yeah, and I'm, I've been on here talking about how frustrating it's been. For this really good pass rush and this really good defensive line to get all the pressures that they get, but they don't finish the job. And they have they did this last month, but early on they weren't finishing the job. But a lot of that could have been they probably were getting held. And it probably wasn't getting called. Because right. if you're getting that many pressure, you're getting that close to the quarterback, somebody hold them. Somebody's grabbing. Somebody's you. Yeah. grabbing. And that Oklahoma State game. Man, look, I'm not one to say any. I'm, I used to be a ref, and I would hate for people to say, hey, the game was your fault, which I never had those situations. I'm one of the greatest refs in Central Austin, Central Texas history. That's Obviously. But, and you won a lot of humility awards, you know, from what I remember. You know, hey, yeah. What can I say? I'm a humble guy. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I don't want to say the refs lost games. There were definitely questionable coaching decisions. Mm-hmm. 
i.e. Quinn Ewers, 30 incompletions slash keeping them in the ball game, uh, uh, TCU or Oklahoma State, and then not utilizing B. John Robinson the way you should have and believing in that run game. But though, the penalties, come on. Yeah. That, that's just so, that's ridiculous. It's rough, but here's the other part of it. I don't want to say this is a truth moving forward. I do think it's something Longhorn fans need to prepare for. You have two more full seasons before you go to the SEC. And somebody needs to tell Oklahoma that too. Tell Venables or whoever's going to coach them. Tell Sark, you got two full seasons coming where you're just going to have to come up with an answer for, hey, you know, games are what they are. We just try to control what we can control. Come up with an answer that doesn't get you fined because you got two more seasons of this. Yeah, And hopefully we will not continue to see that where it's like, hey, look, the latest team that didn't have a you know a penalty at all against Texas. But there were, just like other games where the other team had b- very little, I would still say Texas had their moments of sloppiness. But we can all look at that game and realize, come on, that's just it's not realistic to go through an entire football game. Especially when we're talking about, I guess it was at home for Oklahoma State. It was on the road for Baylor. It's just not realistic. You're not going through four full quarters and getting none or one penalty. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, look how bad they are. It's not like you could say they're disciplined. Like, that's clearly they're not. Because when their quarterback goes out the uh, out the game for the season, their season is done. Right. So discipline will win you a couple of those games. They did it. So I'm not trying to go Oklahoma State. They were just disciplined that day. BS. That was a bogus day. And yeah, you're right, Chad. The horns. You got to prepare for those types of things. But yeah, I I love Sark's answer to Kurt. Hey. Um, you're not, you're not getting me here. Yeah, no, that says, you nah, won't get me. You won't get me, which that says everything to me because he could have easily said, no, nah, no, nah, the refs weren't a factor. All the games that we lost were strictly on us. And he went on to say something, you know, just kind of like that. But when you say you're not about to get me, no, uh, no, nah, nah, that's kind of when you're like, yeah, I hear you. It's it's a little sketchy too, but I'm not in a position where I should be saying those things because right. it could cost me. No, he doesn't need to be talking about you know digging into that. I get why they might have asked and tried to have fun with it, but he needed to answer it that way. Now, this is a crazy text. I have not double-checked this. Somebody says the unbelievable stat is that only two holding penalties were called against Texas Big 12 opponents this season. That's criminal, literally. Is that real? Did someone actually look that up? All season through nine conference games, there were only two holding penalties called against Texas opponents? Wow. Yeah, they're always in the backfield. I will reiterate again, Texas fans, you have two more seasons before you go to the SEC. <laughs> two more seasons. Because you guys know I'm, I'm as real as I can be, and I'll, I'll go back to that one we had at DKR with Oklahoma State. Something was going on that day. And again, you just can't get through a whole game in Stillwater and tell me a Mike Gundy team did not commit one penalty. That's crazy. And what we saw on Friday morning it was crazy. The fact that you get to the end and somewhere they found a two-yard penalty. That's it. But it was cra- it was so bad, Zay. People were putting up screenshots of that referee calling penalties. And the one that I think he had to call on, that they felt like they needed to call on Baylor, they were even making fun of him because it looked like he was upset at what he was calling. Like when he would call something that didn't go, that went Texas's way, it was like, look how this one gets stuck in his throat as he's saying it. I mean, they're like making fun <laughs> of the guy. It's crazy. Yo, and I saw some bogus stuff this week, too. Like in the NFL, in that uh, Jaguars-Ravens game, there was a play where Lamar Jackson, they go for a first down. They're on the third. 
get it. The refs, without any challenge whatsoever, change it. It wasn't under two minutes or nothing. Just back the ball up? Back the ball up. After they said first down. Hardball's over there like, what the hell's going on? It's fourth and one now. They try to go for it. Don't get it. Oh, jeez. Don't get it. So it's like these refs. Are they making up stuff on the fly? Like, it's one of their motives. I know people have seen that NBA documentary on Netflix with, uh, what's his name, Donahue? That was, you know, rigging games and stuff. Tim Donahue. Tim Donahue, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I don't trust nobody right now. (laughs) Yeah, I can understand that. As a Texas, if you're a Texas fan right now, yeah, you're a little little antsy when it comes to officials. But despite the fact that you're looking at a stat sheet that you wouldn't think you needed against Baylor, you still won that ball game. Texas was minus three in the turnover margin, and they still won that game by 11 points. Bijan Robinson and the run game were there when they needed him to be in the second half. We'll keep talking about that. Also up next, Cowboys fans, your team got a win in a game where they played a little bit ugly, used to lose that kind of game, found a way to win it. We'll talk about that. Longhorn basketball got a win, and they've got a nice top 10 matchup coming at Moody Center this week week. Also, we've got a World Cup report for you with our guy Glenn Davis, the U.S. team. Uh, it's pretty simple, I think. I know. I think the math is there. they got to figure out a way to beat Iran, otherwise they're not going to get into that knockout round. They play tomorrow, but Glenn's got more for you on the World Cup coming right up. So stay with us. Joe Cook of Inside Texas with more on the Longhorns at 1. And yes, in the crab bag at 1245, I'll try to figure out what the heck happened with A&M and LSU and multiple people have already asked me, did I rush the field on Saturday night? I'll, <laughs> I'll answer that coming up too on the horn. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. See if we can get up on top of this next one. Come on, we can do it. <laughs> what does he say? Whoa, uh, Things can only get better. Things can only get better. All right, so, God, who is this? This is one I always miss. This isn't Tears for Fears, is it? No. No. All right, who is it? Wait, who's in that group, though? Is that a group? Yeah, that's a group. Who was in the group? I don't know their names. Oh, come on. Noah Jones. 
Hojo, that's who I don't know if he was in the group, but this is who that is. Yep, I was not coming up with Howard Jones, but I can see him now. Bright-ass, blonde hair, Howard Jones with things can only get better. Things definitely got better for Texas and for the Cowboys on Thanksgiving week. Longhorns got it done Friday morning. Uh, Before that, the Cowboys got a big Thanksgiving win. It is Chad and Zay on this Monday, and uh, we talked about it last week. Were these teams going to get the big eighth win I said I thought one of them was going to slip. I said I thought it was going to get by one of them, and neither of them played perfect. Both of them did things that that used to cost them games, but they both fought out of it. If you're a fan of both of our circus teams, I think you got to be proud of them. I understand there's things that got away from me if you're a Texas fan, and we already discussed some of that. But overall, on these last games, I'd be proud of them. I know I'm proud as a Cowboys fan that they figured out a way to get out of that game. Two picks for Dak. He threw a couple of those kind of passes, Zay. Those really troubling balls where you go, wait a minute, Four, what are you doing? And But they, they worked out of it. They got 34 carries for Elliott and Pollard combined. And they found a way, for those of you that bet the Cowboys to cover, I'm sorry that didn't happen for you. But, man, I was happy with 28-20 when it was over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it gets a division game, a team that you already beat that's trying to stay in the playoff race and definitely wants revenge on that loss that they had early in the season. And I think just with all the injuries that the Giants had, uh, the Cowboys would wear them down in the long run. And, yeah, those Dak picks were very uh, head-scratching. It was one of those moments where, like, okay, Dak, let's get out of it. Let's not give these Giants a chance because if you give them a chance, we saw on that deep pass to, uh, gosh, that was a nasty Moss action. Who was that? Is that Darius Slayton on that deep pass where he mossed two guys before the Saquon? Um, sure. Yeah, it was Darius Yes, Slayton. it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so oh, yeah, just plays nice. like that. You know, they got a little lead early in the game. But, yeah, if you stick with the formula, Kellen Moore, and that's give it to Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott, then mix it a little bit of Dak in there also. Plus, I don't think we talk about this enough, Chad. Cowboys, I think they have the best tight end room in the league. It's definitely grown into a pretty darn good room. Endershaw, we saw that little trick play run they had on the goal line. For him, it's solid. We saw the two touchdowns Dalton Schultz had, and then Jake Ferguson. I think he's plugged in there nicely. If you find those guys, they could be good security blankets, and they do a great job in this uh, Kellen Moore, Big Mike, offense so if they stick with that and you know cd lamb he's been doing well hasn't had those as many drops as of late then the cowboys they they still look tough but this is a three-game stretch i got uh they got coming up which should be fairly easy but it's a national football league ain't nothing easy no there's nothing easy but they have the three worst teams in the afc south coming up they've got the three uh, they've got everybody but tennessee coming up They've got Colts, followed by Texans, both at home, and then they go to Jacksonville. Now, we all saw what Jacksonville pulled off yesterday in a crazy game, but still, three that feel winnable. Can you get, you know, let's be realistic in the NFL. If you got two out of three, you got 10 wins going to that Philly game. If you got all of them, you're 11 and three going into that one. So, Cowboys at eight and three coming out. That is a huge win. Uh, some of the big numbers for me seven of 11 on third down. I thought was massive, and then you know I'm going to go to the time of possession with this team that should run the ball. 34 minutes. Yes, yes, Kellen Moore. That's exactly what you got to do when you're sloppy, too. That's the thing. It felt like, just like Sark did, 
The thing I'll give Kellen Moore and Sark credit for is they realized before the game got too far that they were that they needed to head down a different path. They realized it. Sark got to halftime, and either someone told him that Bijan only had seven carries, or he felt it and he realized, "Oh my God, this is com- this is not at all what we need to be doing." And he turned it around the other way with Kellen Moore. It was okay. Dax made a couple of those throws that we can't have, but what we can do is we can run this ball. And I also agree with you on the tight end room. I'm not sure if it's the best in the league. I just like Who that better? it's but I like that it's a weapon now. Who would you say is better? I know you have to go down the list. It's not a list that's crazy or anything, but I mean, the ones that are headed up by Kelsey and Kittles, I would take a look at what that full room looks like and maybe but when the way Schultz is playing and the way they've now started to use those other two guys, they are one of the be- the better tight end rooms in the league. There's no doubt about it. They out here hurdling people. Yeah. Uh, I, you I, know, they, they, they can block. Like, it's not just about catching passes. You're right. When it comes to being the tight end. Can you block? And that's a big part of their run game. That's why Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott are having the years that they are. And, yeah, if Kellen Moore continues to let those guys eat – and then mix a little bit of Dak with that, a little bit of play action, then, hey, that's the secret to success. But what you just said is what's the most frustrating thing about this Longhorn crew. It shouldn't have taken Steve Sarkeesian this long to figure out no. that B. John Robinson, I'm the best running back in the nation, should be the vocal point of your offense. Right, to go through quarters three and four in Stillwater and not learn the lesson, and then go three and quarters three and four – in sorry, in Lubbock first, then in Stillwater, same lesson. You didn't learn it. And then you got to seven carries at halftime on Black Friday and almost didn't learn it. You got yourself out of it. And then he stood at the press conference today and said, yeah, I wish we'd run the ball better in the second halves of those two games. Thank God if you're a Longhorn fan, he didn't say three games. Because if he had done that again, that's when, if you're a fan, you just throw your hands up and think, okay, he's not learning this lesson. So that might be my question to Longhorn fans today, and I'll start with you, Zay. Do you feel like he has learned that lesson with the run game and you would trust him moving forward? No. Okay. You, no. Need, you need to see it from the beginning of the game. Yeah, absolutely, because if you don't realize that with Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson in the room, I mean, yes, I love Blue and I love Jonathan Brooks and Keelan Robinson and Cedric Baxter's coming in, who knows – you know, we still got to get here. Mm-hmm. You know, how guys flip now. Got to finish it. Still yeah, got to finish it. Right. But, <laughs> Not signing you know, yet. it's still going to be a really good room, but it, it ain't going to be what you just had in 2022. Right. And who knows how good in his eyes, I say it in quotes, Quinn is going to get. Because, you know, he put a lot of confidence and faith in Quinn Ewers this year, and it backfired. It backfired on everybody. It did. So, Hopefully, we, we can't go in with that mindset now. Quinn has to get better, and it's not all his fault. Sark could have made the game easier for him. I think the deep shots this year, it couldn't have been more, what? It couldn't be in the teens on deep shot completion rates, over 30 yards in the air, not yards after catch. I'm talking about right. passes over the 30 yards. The ones that yards, go deep, yeah. The ones yeah. That go, it, it can't be in the teens. No. It, it, it just can't, which you got Xavier Worthy. He's on the trading block, chopping block, whatever you want to call it. I don't care what you say. That's scary as hell. Him wiping his Instagram and all the rumors and stuff. I hate that because he's going to test his option. He's going to be listening to what other schools have to offer him. Mm-hmm. I don't care if he's Quinn Ewer's roommate or not. That's just the name of the game right now.
That's what NIL has provided us. So you just you got to take it. And we're going to pull some guys that other big schools thought they wouldn't leave. That's just the name of the game. But yeah. it does scare the hell out of me. And Xavier Wordy, even though it wasn't last year, he still had a pretty solid year. He did. Just, I don't, you know, to the same point as Quinn Ewers, was he put in the same in the situations that benefited him more yeah. with Quinn Ewers playing quarterback? Dude, it's such a wild modern college football world we're living in. Somebody, a media member, asked Sark today. Basically, is Xavier Worthy happy? See, I'm just I'm, that's, you're asking the head coach about the happiness level of his best receiver. And by the way, <laughs> I know why you asked the question, but it's a weird. Qu- Think about that for a second. You're asking him to speculate on the happiness? That's a question that in a courtroom, a, a judge, I mean a judge, a lawyer is going to immediately object to that. Whoa, 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 objection, Your Honor. Are we asking them to talk about the happiness of this guy? Really? But I get it. I get that question and the fact that you're, you're discussing the stuff of you know wiping in Instagram accounts, wiping out your social media. That's stuff that we've talked about. That's why people thought Kyler Murray was done in Arizona. They figured it out eventually, and then I guess all the logos came back. But that's something to watch for. We're one week away. Next Monday is the official opening of the transfer portal. So for Texas fans, for whoever you're a fan of, you kind of brace yourself to see how many guys are going to be in the portal. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be just on that day. That's just the beginning of it. It starts that day, and I guess it rolls through – what, signing day or past signing day? Hey, it's like being recruited all over again. And some of these guys, they want to be wine and dine. Yeah. They want to know, hey, what can you do for me? What do y'all got going on over there? Who can I play with? Who's going to give me a better opportunity to have a pro career? you got to think about all those things. And it's a big reason why guys aren't playing in bowl games, too, because of their NFL future and whatnot. So mm-hmm. it's, it, it, it's tough. And, you know, eight and four, it's progress, but can't be satisfied with it. Longhorns 8 and 4, and you if you're a fan, you will not have to hear about a 500 overall record. Sark's overall record goes to 13 and 11. It is 500 in conference, 9 and 9, and you would hope is moving towards, uh, you know, into a winning record and you're never having to worry about those kind of things again. Uh, but overall, the Eight and four season is uh, is being discussed right now among Texas fans, Cowboy fans. You're at eight and three after the big win over the Giants, getting ready for the Colts this Sunday night, Cowboys and Colts, and we'll have it for you on the Horn. All right, coming up, Joe Cook inside Texas at 105. Up next in the crap bag, I got a big thanks from the crap bag, and we'll talk about A and M and LSU as well. Did I rush the field? I will tell you next on The Horn. like a flute did you hear that the heck was that all right getting started on a monday i think zay might be trying to hypnotize me it's a weird keyboard or flute or something in there i don't recognize it should i no 70s yeah no not the best with 70s no we're out we're out of my time frame all right who is it 
Electric Light Orchestra. A little ELO. I know ELO. It's just not a song I'm familiar with. What's it called? Standing in the Rain. No, no. I know of ELO, Jeff Lynn and the crew, but I'm not familiar with this one. All right, so Howard Jones and ELO getting us started today on a Monday. We hope you're having a good one. We've hit the Longhorns and the Cowboys both get big eighth wins on the season. You had craziness around college football. Gotta think if you're a TCU fan, you're enjoying what happened this weekend. You absolutely cleaned Iowa State's clock because you had to because it's the pageant stuff. And then everybody that was a danger to you, I think, got beat. Ohio State got beat in a way that I think kicks them out. Yeah. Um, Without a Heisman player, Heisman-type right? player, Blake Corum, hell yeah, you're out. Yep. Any threat you had from LSU is done because of my Aggies. We'll get to that in a second in the crab bag. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they kind of need just Georgia chalk at that point because if Georgia – correct me if I'm wrong, Zay – if Georgia – USC, Michigan, and TCU win. That's it, right? Should be. Should be, should be done. That. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, TCU look good against Iowa State. That's exactly what they had to do. Put up a big number, make it a game nobody ever even checked in on. Just that's what that's what they needed. So uh yeah, this, and that's what frustrates you so much as a Texas fan that yeah. Sunny Dice could come in in year one. And have an opportunity to play for a national championship. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good Against point. Against a team that you could have beaten. Yep. Frustrating as a Texas fan. Might also be some frustrated fans over in College Station today trying to figure some things out. Let's get into the crap bag, and I'll tell you if I was on that field or not. Here we go. Chad's crap bag. Crap bag. If you need an easy way to remember it, just... Think of a bag of crap. Brought to you by AV Consultations, 255-8678, or go to avconsultations.com. I will end the suspense. No, I was not on the field. Uh, I was there the night that the seven-overtime game happened, and they rushed the field. I took a picture of it when they rushed the field. Um, but I was not there on Thursday, uh, or excuse me, on Saturday night. My niece and I were across the street. At the the badass hotel they have, they have a nice bar in there. We just went to tailgate. My parents went to the game. We went over there to hang. But the great thing Zay was, this shows you your real feelings on something. We're over there. We're having a good time. We might have had a beverage or two. And as soon as we saw people starting to climb over that wall, me, my niece, and total strangers in this bar, we all did the same thing. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's the very first reaction we had. That was not always my thing. Um, I was not raised as a field rusher. That's not really what Aggies were for years and years and years and years. Late 90s, we beat Nebraska and didn't rush the field. But something about that, something about the SEC combined with the seven overtime game just changed it. I don't know why. It just did. And then they beat Alabama last year, rushed the field. And so as I'm saying, no, 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 they did put it on the screen. It was only the second time since the CFP started that A&M has beaten a top five team in the CFP. And I thought, okay, I, I guess. And let's face it. Little some, brother mentality. Well, maybe, but some, think about it. The season that A&M just had, when you're that far down, because A&M is not doing what Texas fans are doing right now. Oh, if it wasn't just for – no, 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 no. It's, it's more than that. Right, it's not just about a play or two against Alabama. A and M lost game after game after game. You realize they hadn't won a conference game since Arkansas. Ooh. Do you realize that? Not good. No, it was terrible. So when you're that bad 
and you beat the number five team, I think some of that's going to, I guess some of that's going to come out. Some of those feelings are going to happen. So I'm with all of you that say, why'd you rush the field? Why would you do that? Because that's just not the way I was raised with it. I think it's a little different now. So I'll tell Texas fans and Oklahoma fans, just get ready. Once you get in the SEC, weird things start to happen. Now, y'all are big brand names in a different way than A&M is, but just be careful because sometimes that conference will get you making T-shirts and rushing fields. Yeah, hopefully that doesn't happen. And after the five and seven season y'all had rushing the field, I'm sorry, it's just ridiculous. That's that. You can't be rushing the field. Great win. Yeah, solid, but take your ass home and, yeah, have a nice whatever beverage that you're probably going to have and get plastered and do all the weird little things that y'all like to do in College Station. But no, don't rush the field. I'm not surprised. Not surprised y'all did this. It was weird. I guess I hadn't even thought about it. That discussion hadn't happened in the in the bar where we were, and I. But it, as it played out, I I guess I sort of understood how that how that mob might have ended up out there. That would not have been me. I uh, would not have been me out on the field. And it was, if you looked at the full group when they did the big wide shot, it wasn't quite like a full on. You know, it was like a smaller group than I thought it would be too. I thought, well, if you're gonna rush, well, then get out there. But then they kind of it was weird. Yeah, it was really strange. So do you just find a And M half? The money you're supposed to find them since <laughs> y'all didn't even get a good rush the field. I hope so. Yeah, let's get that. Can we do just a percentage? Well, just of that? do petty. Just find y'all the whole thing. Yeah. The one thing I want to do though is throw a big thanks to a guy that didn't even have to play. Devon A. Chain apparently busted his ass to play in that game. Um, Thirty-eight carries, two fifteen. 5.7 a carry. Without him, there's no way A&M wins that game. Wegman looked pretty good, too. Uh, 12 of 18 passing. I really wish they could have figured out that they had that guy earlier. That's the big what-if for me as an A&M fan. Texas fans are going through their own what-ifs. That's my what-if, Zay. If you are indeed a quarterback whisperer, then how did you not figure that part out? How did you look directly at Haynes King at Max Johnson, and at this kid. And and it took you that long to start that kid. How did it take you all the way to the old Miss game, I think, is when he got his first start? How did that happen? Yeah. I, don't, I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. And what, this is his fifth season there? Uh, this and, is season um, five. And that's, a, and that's the other thing. A fan was texting us earlier, hey, five and seven in year one is one thing. Five and seven in year five. It's terrible. It's awful. And now let's see what happens on Monday. There's been a lot of talk about A&M and Jimbo and culture and bad stories and arrests and weird stuff at the game and suspensions. But I would argue the team we saw on Saturday night looked like they cared. They seemed like they cared. It seems like they were engaged. So you got a lot of young talent. Muhammad's a sophomore. Uh, the Evan Stewart's the one everybody wants to talk about that he will definitely, a lot of people think he's gone that he's going to transfer. Played in the game played pretty well. Wegman's a freshman too. A lot of that defensive talent is young Walter Nolan and McKinley Jackson and a lot of those guys. How many Aggies are in the portal on Monday could be a big, big question for two reasons. One for A&M but two because, I'm going to tell you what Zay, if some of that young talent hits the portal, lots of big programs are going to pay attention. Yeah, you had one of the best recruiting classes of all time. Hell yeah, everybody's going to be one to get those guys. And I feel like those guys have already declared they're out on the A&M side. I don't think it's taken until next Monday for them to say, hey, we gone. We're not going to a bowl game. It doesn't matter. Yeah, they, so, 
But well, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I just again, I was impressed, man, because I would have totally understood if A Chain had just said, "That's it, I'm out, bye." For him to work that hard to play. I don't know. That told me something about that kid. I always say as a fan, I need you to care more about the team winning than I do. Just a, at least a little bit more. A-Chain cared a lot on Saturday. That yeah. was impressive. Yeah. At this point in the season, to take that many carries and the rush, how many yards he did, 215, two TDs. Wow. Solid. Yeah. That was uh, impressive stuff, man. Uh, and obviously on the rushing side for Texas, you got Bijan and Roshan doing everything that they did. Huge second half. 22 carries for Bijan in the second half. Is that right? Yep, that's it. Hey, you know what? At least he, again, at least he realized it before it was too late. And he turned that train around fast. And to turn the time of possession around like they did, to turn just the hold on that game around was great. Also, shout out to Jalen Ford and the Texas defense because they made big plays when they needed to as well. We've been talking about that game. Of course, the Cowboys getting the win. Up next, we'll go back towards the Longhorns. Joe Cook inside Texas. He was over at the Sark Presser today. Anything to be learned from that? They kind of assessed some things and Sark was answering some big picture questions we'll see what stood out to joe get his thoughts on the team where does he think they'll end up in a bowl game and maybe fit in a texas basketball question because there's a big top 10 matchup coming up with creighton this week stay with us it's the horn